the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Well, welcome to the first 2018 edition of the Spot Track dot com podcast kevin sylvester along with paul peck and the founder of spot track.com mike Gennetti. happy Does that mean we start over on the salary cap now mike is then that the calendar turns do we are we back to zero or something here no they uh we have flipped the page <laughs> to 2018 but uh you know obviously there's uh plenty more football left in terms of the salary cap well and that's a lot of things we're going to talk about today is salary cap in football because you know with the season ending um, there's at least uh, you know, about 20 teams that are looking at all right the cap and trying to figure things out. And the teams that made the playoffs, the other 12 are looking at, okay, uh, how can we win the Super Bowl? And we'll worry about the salary cap uh, as it uh, gets further down. And you have a nice uh, a story up on the salary cap and, and positionally and cap space for all the playoff teams. Yes, yeah, so we took a look at the 12 teams who uh, you know are still running in 2017. And, and just to clarify, they are in 2018 mode, by the way. Every Everybody's signing reserve players and, and getting ready for their, for, that for is their true. march. Yeah, it's a, it's a busy, hectic time for front offices and obviously us at Spotrek. But, uh, yeah, we took a look at the, the, the 12 teams that did slide into the postseason and uh, just kind of broke down positionally how their how their, their cap money is allocated and, and all sorts of tidbits. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that today. What I, what I really liked was it, and just the, the initial one of the playoff teams and their cap space for 2018 because – you're talking about successful teams this year, and you you know you're always looking towards the future, and that's one of the great uh, things about SpotTrack.com. Always looking towards the future with cap space and free agents and p- potential cap casualties on here, and there are several teams in there. And actually, one of the matchups uh, might be the most cap space matchup between the Bills and Jaguars uh, in the playoff round. But there are some teams that are in fantastic shape when it comes to uh, cap space, like the Rams. And there are teams that are in terrible cap space shape, like the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, it's a big, big uh, dichotomy here in terms of how these teams are structured for next season. Really, it's we've talked about it in the past here. It's timing and youth, and and how they've kind of structured things in the last few years. Obviously, the Rams are are in the best shape because they're young, they're cheap, and uh, they, they've done a nice job to kind of trim their fat too over the last couple of years in terms of trades and free agency and things like that. But they're looking at almost $50 million in cap space heading into 2018 with over 40 players already under contract. So they're in great shape. They've got a couple of holes to fill, but that's certainly a team to watch that can get better. But also keep in mind, they've arguably got the best value in all of football on that team, Aaron Donald, making peanuts right now. And he's looking at you know $150 million contract probably coming this offseason. So that's a team to watch in terms of big contracts and money to spend. There's plenty of teams who will need to do some some house cleaning just to get viable for the 2018 season. Yeah, you mentioned the Chiefs. This has been an annual thing. Uh, you know, they've been they've been pumping money into that defense for three seasons now and kind of stringing along an offense to go with it and you know, they've made the playoffs. They they've done well to to keep the production on the field and and keep the salary cap at bay. But it's uh it's going to be cap hell this offseason for them. They're going to have to trim some serious players, you know, some veterans. Even some guys who are looking at fifth-year options. I've got a player like D. Ford, who I don't think they're going to be able to keep on that fifth-year option. He's uh, his production just doesn't match that. He's he's looking at like a nine million dollar cap hit that is probably going to go by the wayside this year. Guys like Tom Bahali is probably probably going to fall off that roster next year. Uh, and you you probably will see a few trades. I, I'm not going to go on a limb and say Alex Smith is going to be released or traded, but that's certainly a way they can get they can get cleaner in terms of the cap hit. That's a seventeen million dollar savings if they move him. So. 
you know, it's a quarterback that's taken under the postseason, you know, multiple times over his his tenure in Kansas City. But that's a, that's a name to watch in terms of cap space. Follow up on the quarterbacks in a moment. I believe there's eight new teams in the playoffs of the 12 that are in this year. In other words, eight teams that weren't in the playoffs last year, which is generally the trend in the NFL. It always makes me crazy that at the beginning of the year, people always predict the same teams to make the playoffs the year before. We know that's not going to happen. Does that lend itself to the crazy sort of cap numbers because you have so many teams that are new? to the playoffs and have not necessarily built themselves up to be perennial playoff teams? Yeah, it's funny how the timing works, right? So generally what happens in the last three, four years is you've got about a, a 50-50 split. There's 50% of the teams have sort of built themselves for this and 50% of the teams maybe are surprised to be there. You know, maybe they're a little early getting there. Teams like the Jags and even the Rams. I'm not sure the Rams were were, were slated to go this far, this fast in terms of how that cap was being built up. But it, it, it's a nice change of pace to not have, you know, the major, major players in terms of financial spending in the playoffs every single year. You're seeing a lot of value slide into the postseason. And uh, for somebody like me who looks at that kind of value across the, the roster, it, it's a lot of fun. The, the quarterback numbers are uh, it jumped out at you, didn't they? Again, we would normally think the most successful teams have the highest paid and longest term high-level quarterbacks, but that's not necessarily the case in the playoffs this year. No, not only are the non-highest paid quarterbacks not in the playoffs, but the, the average, uh, we've talked about it before, Matthew Stafford, he represents 16% of the Lions salary cap. And that's kind of the number. That's the number that the, the elite paid players represent against their team's cap. When you're looking at the postseason, the, the average quarterback allocation in terms of that that percentage is less than 10%. It's about 9.8%. So you're looking at, you know, sort of the middle of the road quarterbacks in terms of their cap figures, you know, leading their teams into the playoffs this year. One of the one of the speaking of that position, one of the fascinating things, and we mentioned one of these teams that has a lot of cap space is Minnesota. And they have three quarterbacks <laughs> whose contracts are up. It'll and be the cheapest one, I think, is the one that's starting, right? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Arguably, yeah. <laughs> so, so they're a bit of a misnomer, right? You look at, at Spotrac, and they've got fifty-eight million in cap space, but that includes zero quarterbacks. So, <laughs> so you got to take that with a grain of salt when you're looking at you know their offseason in terms of how they're they're set up. But yeah, it, it's going to be really fun to see how that breaks out because obviously they've got a lot of stock in Teddy Bridgewater. That's a fan base that loves him. You know, that was a devastating injury, and he's certainly got done well to get himself back into the fold. But, you know, to take a chance on him when you've got a guy in Case Keenum who's done so much with so little over the past 18 weeks here, it's going to be tough for them not to at least give Keenum a strong look. And, and, and to his credit, I mean, he's valuing at over $18 million in terms of a contract next season. So, you know, when you look, you talk about those middle of the road contracts for quarterbacks, he's above that threshold now. So, you know, if they let him walk to free agency, there's a chance, not a great chance, but there's a chance that other teams are bidding for him, which would even raise that price higher. So Minnesota, if if, if this is their guy, the time might be now to go and to lock him up. And some of those teams that we bid in for him may just be playoff teams because, as you, you point out, half of the playoff teams, six of the 12, you know, have some question marks going into 2018. Minnesota's one of them, yeah, but uh, there's five others that have a question mark at quarterback right. going into 2018. We mentioned the Chiefs with Alex Smith. That just might have to be a cap casualty when it comes down to it, um, whether they, they are ready for Mahomes or not. Drew Brees isn't under contract next year. Um, he, he represents a lot of dead cap, so I, I'm pretty positive they are going to get an extension done there. Um, ben Roethlisberger, we're, we're going to go through retirement talks with him again, and they've got almost nothing set up behind him in terms of a quarterback with a future. So that's another situation to keep fold of. 
Then you've got the Bills and the Jags, who who do have a quarterback under contract next year, both around $18 million each in, ta- in Taylor and, and Bortles, but both just don't seem to like their quarterback. They, they, they've shown that over the past few seasons. Both have been you know, up and down in terms of their production, but now these are quarterbacks that have taken their team to the playoff for the first time in quite a while. So, A couple of weeks from now, they may like them better depending on how things shake out. That's right. We'll see who can kind of get through this first round. But yeah, these are, these are question marks for sure. And we've talked about it before. There's going to be a ton of quarterbacks available. There's going to be quarterbacks through the draft. But we've got six playoff quarterbacks here who are going to be question marks heading into March. Uh, which, it, which says uh, uh, either a lot about the standards of teams and their fans, or it says a lot about the parity in the National Football Yeah, and, and I think you've got some rookies like Goff and Wentz that are, that are high-level quarterbacks on high-level playoff teams who are still under their rookie deals. I think Dak Prescott broke the mold. I really do. I, I really think the team saw what the Cowboys had in this fourth-round you know, lightning in a bottle, and they said, we need that. That's how we get good immediately. You know? And I'm not. I'm not a big fan of that. I'm not a big. I mean, you're not going to find gamble, fourth round quarterbacks. We, we just those, talked those, about the, the, yeah. hit, the hit rate on fourth round quarterbacks is not real high. No, I mean we're talking. You know, eight of twelve postseason quarterbacks are first round picks, right? It's not a mistake. So, no, it's never <laughs> so, a mistake. You know, the Goffs and the Wences and those players. Team, there's a reason teams went flying up the draft board to get those guys, and it's paying off for them. So, you, you know, I I think people see the value in. Obviously, there's Tom Brady. Even Tyrod Taylor, a six-round pick, who's certainly done you know enough to get Buffalo into the postseason here. There's value there, but that's such a, a rarity that teams really can't rely on that. They've got to say, if we need a quarterback, we need to get the best available quarterback, or it's not worth it. And that's just the standard here. Yeah, we, we mentioned the Bills a few times here. Two interesting notes that you have at SpotTrack.com in the uh, NFL postseason article. The first is the Bills have less than 30% of their salary cap allocated to the defensive side of the football, which is the better side of the football for yeah, the Buffalo Bills. Absolutely. But that's doing large that would be much greater if Marcel Darius had not been traded. And the and the clean out of a lot of other veteran players on their defense too. That's, they yeah. changed their whole secondary around. They did. They got some real nice value signings this this offseason in terms of free agency to their secondary. You know, they're playing with uh, a rookie cornerback, Richard Avius White. So they, they've got some nice young players on the side of that ball that, that have really dropped their allocation in terms of the salary cap. And, and really, you know, that's not to say they're spending a ton on the offense either. They, you know, they've traded away a couple of high-priced high players. You know, they're, they're not even playing with their highest, highest-played player in Cordy Glenn right now, their left tackle. And it, there's a chance they probably move on from him in, in the offseason just because of injury. So, you know, they're, they're trimming their cap in terms of both sides of the ball. But, yeah, in terms of postseason, they, they sit with the lowest defensive allocation in terms of salary cap. Boy, you, you look at everything with the Bills and how their season has gone with trades that they made, with injuries that they've had, and it needed a Cinderella story to get to the playoffs. And that's exactly how it happened. Uh, LaShawn McCoy, another final interesting thing on, on the Bills-Jaguars game, is if LaShawn McCoy cannot play uh, due to injury – They'll go to – you want to look at cap money spent on running backs and wide receivers? Well, the Bills aren't doing it. They'll have two running backs, assuming they don't bring in anybody else in, but frankly, who else is out there? And four wide receivers worth a combined $3.5 on their current cap. Yeah, that's value. Uh, <laughs> that's dangerous value. Or that's the 32nd-ranked NFL passing offense. That's right. Yeah, it, it helps to get Kelvin Benjamin midseason, so you've got him at a nice number right now. But, yeah, they're – they are playing with fire in terms of these assets that have they've sort of risen up the depth chart in terms of need because of trades and injuries and things like that. But yeah, six players at, at weapon positions 
you know, combining for three and a half million dollars. That's uh, that will be something if they can sneak through it to a second round here. We but, uh, we always look at the offensive skill positions as you know, sort of being the difference makers on great teams. You know, you think back to the Cowboys when it was Aikman and Smith and Irvin, and there's a lot of other examples. You dove into a little bit of the quarterback, running back, wide receiver connections and where teams have gotten to those points that are in the playoffs. Yeah, so we've. We, I like to take a look at the what I call the high high volatile offensive positions. That's the set of quarterback, running back, wide receiver, sometimes tight end, but in this case, I, stu- I stood with just the top three. Um, and what I did is I took it, a look at how they were acquired, how, how those positions were built in terms of these postseason teams. Uh, only two playoff teams have a quarterback, running back, wide receiver combination that was completely built from the outside. So they've, they've, these teams have done a nice work of becoming homegrown, you know, drafting well, things like that. But only four of them have all three of those positions as a homegrown set. So when you're when you're looking at, at at putting a team together in terms of you know production versus value and things like that, these are the positions that stand out the most in terms of salary cap on the offensive side of the ball. And generally speaking, mostly due to the fact that quarterbacks just aren't free agents or, or trade pieces, which will not be the case maybe in the next couple of years. But generally, you're drafting your quarterback. The running back position has become almost exclusively a free agent signing just because of the way that the, the prices have dropped and you're able to kind of load up in terms of depth. And the wide receiver, we've seen a lot of trades, a lot of high draft picks, obviously, but a lot of trades and some some decent free agent movement. We're going to see more of that, especially this offseason because of that big first round four years ago where you've got players like Brandon Cooks and Jarvis Landry and, and who have already moved or considered to be moved. Uh, and, and there's going to be some serious movement in terms of are those players going to be able to be signed at their current current teams? How much are they actually worth? Injuries have set in with tons of those players. So the wide receiver position is going to be extremely complicated in terms of valuing, signing, and the free agent uh, season for that will be really exciting. You mentioned Brandon Cooks, and that brings up an interesting statistic about the Patriots, and it kind of belies what you would normally think about the Patriots, but it's how much they spend on the wide receiver and tight end positions. Yeah, yeah, combined, which a lot of this is Gronk and, and Cooks, to your, to your point, the Patriots always do it this way. Instead of paying one player a ton of money, which a lot of teams do, I mean, we're seeing that still across the league, they put eight or nine players into the tight end wide receiver bank, right? And they, and they start them, they keep them all active because it does two things. Number one, you never know who they're going to utilize in terms of a game plan. And number, th- number two, none of those players can ever be too high because that's their system and that's how they, they, they build their team in terms of a GM coming down. These players know that if they're going to be a Patriot, they can never be on the top dollar at, the, at those positions because they're always going to be in a shared role. Their production is never going to be large enough to, to value them at a point of elite status. So it, it, it works on the field. It works off the field. It keeps depth for injuries. It keeps depth for game planning. Uh, it's a really smart way to do it. But they've earned the right to do it. Let's, yeah, let's, they, they let's, can do it because they can I, I say, need to say that. Yeah. yeah, because they can say, do you want to come here and do you want to win a Super Bowl? Yeah. This is what you're going to pay. This yeah. is what we're going to pay. You're not going to have the Cleveland Browns putting this out there in terms of free agency and saying, come join our uh, our wide receiver pool. Well, you also have to save a little bit for the replay officials too. Oh, there you go. <laughs> spoken uh, spoken like a two like a true disgruntled anti-patriots fan. So. No, no. I you know what? You know what's funny? The I think the good teams get the breaks, right? You you create breaks, no you create plays and and because most of their games are national television where you get the top broadcast. You have right. more camera angle. That's one thing people don't you have more camera angles for replay officials to look at so they're able to see more things absolutely to go to it, no so. qu- i had this 
debate with uh, my dad, who was complaining about one of the plays that he saw over the weekend. I said, you got to understand there might be 10 cameras at a lower level AFC game, and there might be 22 at a national game, which means you're going to have better camera angles to know whether the replay is the right play or not. And the Patriots, again, always seem to favor those, partly because they're always playing in those kinds of games. they always win. And, and uh, they have the better players, like, too. Right. And the better players sometimes know how to make the plays. And you can go to SpotTrack.com to find out all the reasons why they spend their money wisely and another reason why they win. Today's Cap Fact. Well, Mike, keeping on the theme of breaking down the the highest price, price players in the playoffs, I, I think what's interesting about our Cap Fact today is the lack of the highest priced players at their positions in the NFL most of them are sitting home. Yeah, so we took a look at, at each each notable position this year for the NFL. Uh, you know, we're talking obviously quarterbacks and running backs and wide receivers and then all the defense positions. Of those positions, the highest paid player at each position, only five of them will, will see postseason action this year. So five of the top 14 highest paid players will be in the postseason. And to extend that, I went out to each to the big contracts. The top 25 contracts, only eight of them will be in the playoffs this year. And then even more so, the top 50, only 18 of the top 50 contracts in football will be in, in the postseason in 2017. What does that tell you? What's your what's your knee-jerk reaction to what that what those numbers tell you? Well, what it tells me is obviously having that big of a contract takes up cap space. And, and to do that, you obviously need to take cap from elsewhere. So what happens is if you're not if if you're in the first or second year of these major contracts which a lot of them are they're new they, these things kind of keep turn over quickly you are accelerating most of your cap into the into these years so you're not able to build productive teams around these players it, it's a problem a lot of teams have had tom brady takes a lot of heat for having low cap figures every year and a couple of these other quarterbacks have come down to it too but this is this is reality. This is what needs to happen for teams to stay competitive every single year. We've talked about how they win every year. We talk about how they're the favorites every year. That is a glaring reason why, because he has never maxed out. He has never been atop that list to put his team in a position to not be able to build around him to make him as productive as possible. It also tells me that you don't necessarily need high-priced stars to win. Kevin, what does it jump out at you? Well, it says to me, I, I think teams are, are going to – be very cautious and throw in huge dollars at individual players. It, 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 the, the whole is great. You know, the sum of the parts is greater than just one here. Yeah, we talked I know about, I, I, I flubbed that big time, but you, you know what I meant. Yeah, we ta- <laughs> we, we, well, we talked about the, the wide receiver position, right? I mean, I mean we've, got, we've still got teams paying max dollars for wide receivers. You can even look at just the Julio Jones. You, you know, Julio Jones will never be worth his contract. It just doesn't work out that way. The only player who was even close was Calvin Johnson, and he hung up the cleats at age 28. So, you know, you know, it's becoming more and more obvious that one elite-paid superstar can't win a football game for you. Yeah, and to to go that route in terms of free agent signing or even extensions. It's just never going to pay off in the end. You know what things. it tells me? That the, the generation of general managers in the NFL are more reliant on drafting well and maximizing those players in the first five years of their contracts and being less hesitant or more hesitant to give them that second big money contract in response to saying, you know what, we'll let them go, we'll draft the next one, we'll get the five years out of them, and we'll keep that cycle going. Now that means you better draft well, and it doesn't sit well with your fan base if you're going to let a star player leave like that. 
But what fans have to start learning is that having those star players and paying them that kind of money not only makes it less like you're going to win, it handcuffs you even more. Five-year contracts are two-year contracts, and GMs will need to start acting like that in order to keep their system flowing every year. Yeah, it's definitely something to keep an eye on uh, moving forward in the NFL. As you know, other sports, now you got to pay your stud in the NBA, or now you got to pay like two or three of them. Uh, <laughs> right? Yeah, but LeBron can win a game for you every night. Yes, he can. That's that's the difference. And Clay, no, Kershaw no. can win a game for you on the mound too. Yeah, no right. one NFL player can really do that. Not one. Time now for the contract of the week. All right, something different this week uh, in the contract of the week. We're giving you a chance to make contracts of the week. For the playoffs, it's a postseason fantasy contest at SpotTrack.com. Mike, explain how fans can win your money. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we've done this a few years now, and actually we've done it with a bunch of the different sports as well, so kind of keep it tuned to it all uh, all season long in terms of the other sports. But we just launched the uh, the 2017 postseason NFL contest. Uh, it's a pretty unique little system here. So what we've done is we've taken the 12 teams, set up 12 roster spots for you to choose from. Uh, the caveat is you select one player from each postseason team to fill your roster, uh, and that's going to carry on throughout. So as teams get eliminated, that player gets eliminated from your roster. So you've got to kind of pick the positions that you think will make it longest and uh, you know kind of hold on from there. The spot track twist on it, obviously, is you've got salary dollars involved. So... Each player comes with their cap hit from 2017. You get you get a total salary cap for your roster, and your team's fantasy production is multiplied in factors of your total salary cap. So the most production with the least amount of salary cap is going to have the most spot track fantasy points at the end of the season. And uh, if you've got the biggest uh, the biggest score at the end at the end of the Super Bowl, we'll give you to uh, I believe one hundred and twenty five dollars for first place, a total of two hundred fifty dollars in cash prizes for the top three positions. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's that, it, and it's not as easy as you think it is. You've got to decide yeah. who you think is going to go to the Super Bowl because you don't you want to avoid a one and done guy. You know, you want to avoid a. a, a you know, a Tyreek Hill from Kansas City who might put up good numbers, but if they lose in the first round, now you're in big trouble. Yeah, it's it's been interesting. We, you know, obviously, you know, if you hit on a quarterback that just has a a blazing postseason, that's going to be the guy that takes you to you know to the top of the list. But we've had situations where defenses have have mattered. You know, coming three four re- rounds into it. Uh, so you know you got to be really careful how you, how you pick and choose. It's not always just you know you want the two best quarterbacks in the league, but uh, it's interesting. And remember, you got to keep the cap low. So you, you want value in in the positions that you think will carry through. All right, and one disclaimer: you have to be willing to accept payment in a shipment of nickels. <laughs> that's right. Spot track dollars. That's Shipping's Mike's next innovation. Yeah, that's right. The shipping will be worth more than the nickels. All right, that's very cool. SpotTrack.com. Go sign up and do it. No cost to sign up. Uh, it's a fun thing, uh, re- and you really have to think about it, as Paul mentioned, because you're going to have players eliminated uh, in the first round. That's gonna. You have to pick somebody from 12 teams. Some right. teams are going to be eliminated each week, so you really want to think about, okay, positionally, we put everybody's gonna pick Tom Brady though as their quarterback. I would think he's right? a pretty good value. Yeah, but don't don't shy in Case Keenum. Don't do it. Yeah. Maybe a tip there from the man himself, <laughs> Mike Gennetti. All right, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the SpotTrack.com podcast. A lot of great stuff. NFL-themed. It's playoff week. you got to do the NFL here. All that great information at SpotTrack.com. For Paul Peck and Mike Gennetti, I'm Kevin Sylvester. Thanks for listening.